The two things I'm going to hope to communicate is that, man, we can get to work. We can get to work doing the ministry. And we're going to look at why it is and how it is that we can get to work. And then number two, and the first thing that we're actually going to look at, is this. I uh, uh, would propose to you that we often take more credit for our spiritual growth and success than we are due. We often take more credit for our spiritual growth and success than we are actually, than we're due. Uh, Yet, still, God wants to deliberately use each of us for His glory. And so I want to just, I want to pray and then I want to start with kind of just a memory, a a story that I was thinking about this week. So let's pray for this time again. We're going to pray again. We've prayed like 45 times this morning and we'll make it 46. So let's pray. Lord, please open our minds and our hearts to your word. And um, God, have your way. Let your word have its way in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives, God. Because ultimately we want you to be glorified. That's what this is all about. You being glorified. And we just ask uh, for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. So as a teen, I recall uh, there was a time, I think it was at a I think I was at a summer camp. I don't remember where I was. I don't know how old I was, but I remember what shirt I was wearing. And it was one of my all-time favorite shirts. It was um, a Cub Scout shirt, but it was like, it was almost like the color of Seth's shirt. Seth, can you, um, can you, that was weird. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, it was like the color of Seth's shirt and it had like a map on it. And I thought it was really cool. But I remember that um, there was some, person I think she was either like an older student or she was like a a a children's worker I think it may have been Keisha um yeah but I don't know she might have just been in the room I don't know she's in that memory for whatever reason anyways this person whoever it was said uh to me they said they were telling me that I was kind they said you're kind and, and they said, I think that God could use you to, like, connect or talk with anybody. And I was like, whoa, that's like the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. And I also was totally unaware of those things. I had recently gotten saved. I know that much. Um, and here's why I bring that up. Because God used that comment in my life to imprint that part of my personality or my gifting or how God has wired me. That comment imprinted my perspective of myself. I look at myself and I think about what that person said. And I think, wow, I think that's true. That resonates with, with how I've learned who I am over the years. Does that make sense? And uh, I may not have realized how God has made me and gifted me to profit the body had he not used that person to encourage me in that way. So here's what I'm getting at. Consider this. I think, we, I think that we take too much credit for our spiritual growth. We think, man, I've been faithful. I've, I've learned the Bible. I've been in it a long time. But I think actually God just does these different things in our lives, and He grows us up. And, and actually, we don't even know who we are except the Lord tells us. Right? So consider this. Here's a few things. We are spiritual. Why? You're spiritual because God gave His Spirit to us. Say, well, yeah, okay. How about this? We're submitted, not because you're just so submissive and and humble and honest. It's because we have Christ in us. 
And Christ is the epitome of submission. We are, this is a little lengthy here, but we're paternal, and we're giving, we're able to oversee and lead people, we're gifted administratively and, and like organizationally, and we can, we can invest in people. Why? Is that because we're just really awesome and we've learned how to do that over the years? Or is it because we've been given a Father in Heaven who's sovereign Himself and generous and that same principle, we love Him and we love others because He first loved us. That didn't come from you. Your gifting and skill set, the way God made you, didn't come from you. But, let me pause and tell you, dude, you guys, I, I wish we could, I wish I could have time to just like, I, I thought about doing this too. Just identifying one thing that God has made unique about you and how He's gifted you. Because you guys are impressive to me. I just think you guys are super awesome. Like there isn't anybody in here I'm like, that one kind of sucks. God didn't quite give His all for that one. There's nobody in here. There's not one of you. God has... has has showed His handiwork in uh, how He's made you guys. We're biblically informed and literate. You might know your Bible. Well, how do you know that? How'd you get to that point? Well, it's because God preserved His Word, and then He gave us pastors, and then He teaches us by His Spirit. You don't get any credit for how biblically informed or literate you are. We're friendly to others. You're kind and considerate. You're nice. Not because you're just have a pure heart of gold. You don't. You're friendly because God befriended you. Maybe even through the body of Christ. Like, if I go back to that example of the person saying, hey, you're kind and you can talk to anybody. Well, I think, I think that's because, well, the Lord, the Lord grabbed hold of me with people when I was a teenager. I didn't know, like, I wasn't kind before that. I was a teenage boy, like all of you boys. But then, but then these students in a student ministry, they became my friends. And they were kind to me and they invited me in and they wanted to be with me. And I thought, what in the world? This is not like anything else I've experienced before. I want to be part of that. I want to be like that. I don't get to take credit for it. We actually can't take credit for any part of our growth and development. We can't take credit for how God has wired us and gifted us. And we can't take credit for how God uses us. Right? We actually have nothing productive or profitable to offer the Lord in and of ourselves. Is this making sense so far? You say, well, where's the Bible in that, bro? Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. We have nothing to offer in and of ourselves. He's done it all, and He does it all through us. So where does this uh, proposition leave us? Where does that leave your attitude? If you acknowledge the fact, and we presented a lot of principles, a lot of things that the Lord has done, if you consider that, where does that leave our attitude? Where does that leave us? Where's your mindset if all of this is true? If you have nothing really of any value to offer in and of yourself, how would you describe that attitude? 
Go ahead. Throw it out. Should I say it all again? I can start over. Should I start over? Where does this leave us, guys? <clears throat> if you realize that, man, I'm actually not Im- impressive in and of myself. The only good that's in me is what God is doing and has done. Well, describe that attitude. This isn't hard. Come on. You got it. Humbled. Humbled. Okay, what else? Selfless. What? Thankful. Thankful. Mm-hmm. Grateful. J- Jesus. Thank you, Manny. Yes. <laughs> what did you say? I said grateful. Grateful. Yeah, what else? Indebted? There's a word. <laughs> yes. Yeah, anything else? Where does that leave your attitude? Worshipful? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Submitted? Submissive? Mm-hmm. Yep. Joyful? Yeah. Okay. All of those things, and I will, I will infer that all of those things make you and I a prisoner. So hear me out. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. Because God has given us everything we have, which is actually just His presence in our life. That's everything we have. That's everything you need. You just need the Lord's presence in your life. That's what really matters. And because He's done that, He's in and through us, Paul can say, verse 1 and 2, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, word, and then he'll continue. But I want us to—I want us to notice this phrase. He's a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Well, how do you get to that place that you could actually say I'm a prisoner? And he's a prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. He's saying. He's a prisoner of of Jesus for someone, so he knew who God had given him to. So like fathers, you know who you're given to, your families. Mothers, you know who you're given to, your families. Children, do you know who you're given to? Your parents. Did you know you were given to your parents? Your parents were given to you, sure, but you were given to your parents. You were given to the people who are above you, who are uh, over you. You were given to them, right? Okay, but students, employees, let's look at it in this, in this lens. Counselors, students, who are you given to? Beyond your family, okay? Who are you given to? Who has the Lord said, hey, I saved you? You actually belong completely to me, and this is who I'm giving you to. Yeah? The loss. Specifically, could you name a people group? Could you name a group of people? Huh? Classmates. Classmates, okay. What? I don't want to put them on blast. Put who on blast? Oh, right, right, right. So, yeah, so specific people you're thinking of. Okay, good. Sounds like there's people in here that Elijah has given to. (laughs) Right? No, that's good. So here's my point. Paul recognized he was a prisoner of Jesus Christ for the Gentiles. He knew that he was, um, he didn't actually have any rights. 
He didn't have any personal liberties that superseded what he was from God. Simply a gift. Simply a minister to the Gentiles. So, you're thinking, bro, what are you saying? I want you to consider who are you a prisoner of Jesus Christ for? And, uh, and let's consider this. Your, that kind of submission, that kind of uh, attitude, requires, requires a surrendering of your daily rights and your personal liberties. Right At the moment, you, you can say, you know, Gavin and I, we hung out with uh, a student this week. And, and what I noticed in Gavin was Gavin and I have conversations and we talk about things and we say things to each other because we're comfortable with each other, we're friends, and we know what we can say to each other, right? I know what Gavin generally likes to do and doesn't like to do. Then we hang out with this other student. And this student says things and does things that I know that, that Gavin doesn't, wouldn't really say or wouldn't really do. Subtle things. It's not like obvious. It's not like this kid's like, hey, you want to go like, I don't know, chop somebody's tree down? Oh, uh, yeah, I guess I will. <laughs> no, it's like, it's like uh, this, this person will, they'll talk They'll talk to Gavin like this. And, and while some of us might be tempted, you know, when somebody gets real uncomfortable and they're not like us and they try to engage with us in a way that we're like, bro, I'm going to chop you in the neck, bro. Please step back. This is just an example and it's just the grace of God. It's not Gavin being awesome. But, but you know what Gavin does? He responds in kindness and in grace. Why? Because I think at some level, Gavin has realized he's a prisoner of Jesus Christ for the people in his life that he's recognized he's given to. Okay? It's like this. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 23. It says this, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. Who can tell me why that one might have been easier for Paul? Because he is a Jew, okay? So he can relate to people who are like him. He can be like them. But he continues, to them that are without the law. As without the law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Right? So then you also have the complete opposite mentality. We like to minister, if we're, if we're given the opportunity, we want to minister to people who are like us. If this person is similar to us, like you're sitting by the person you're sitting by for one reason or another. You're either just really comfortable sitting by them or you're being intentional to sit by who you're sitting by. And I'm not condemning. You should sit by people you're comfortable with. I'm not coming for you. But that's how we think, right? And so in ministry, when ministry opportunities come up, what we're actually naturally looking for first is the people who are like us who it'll be easiest with. All of us do it. We all do it. But Paul, 
proposes a different mentality. I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ for the Gentiles who happen to be a people who his, him nationally and naturally would not mesh with like very well. But he says, I'm going to go and look for people who don't look like me. Oh, that's uncomfortable. Ooh, we don't like that. We're not, we're not searching for people who are like us, okay? You need to know that. You're not looking for people who are like you. You're looking for people who need Jesus. That's all that matters. Mickey had an astute observation at a Tuesday night prayer meeting a couple weeks ago. And he basically noticed or described that it could be awkward for, for you and the person um, that you're trying to evangelize if you don't know them. Like random person evangelism. Kind of awkward. Okay? So what's the solution? Do you just not evangelize people you don't know? Oh, you're going to help, but I don't know you, so peace out. <laughs> Of course not. What do you do? You get to know them. You build a friendship and a relationship with them. And they're probably going to be different from you. That means you have to build relationships and friendships. And as your schools are becoming to come back in person, bro, there's no greater opportunity. You're starting with a fresh slate. It's amazing. I didn't think about this, but there's a lot of students who have come back and they haven't seen their friends for a year. They haven't hung out with their people for a year. You have a fresh start. And all the people coming back are going to be super lonely. Dude, come on. You got to jump in. Go be kind to someone. Go win them. Invite them. Bring them into the love of God with you, right? And here's kind of a description of that reality. Because we know who Christ has made us to be internally. Do you know who you are in Christ? Do you know who God has said you are? Okay, because you know that, we can change who we are in the flesh to accommodate who we minister to. Does that make sense? Who you are in the flesh doesn't actually hold any value. As we heard last week in Kenny's message, who you are in the flesh doesn't hold any value outside of giving you capacity to minister to others. Meaning, I can wear a different set of clothes and that has value if it helps me to minister to a different type of person. There's stories of missionaries who literally, they, there's a guy, I can't remember his name, is it Hudson Taylor maybe? No. Was it? The guy who, who he went to China and so he made himself a Chinaman. Like, what? We would look at that guy and be like, bro, you're really weird. <laughs> like, you ain't got to do all that. But maybe he does. Maybe we can take some of that in. Maybe you can't get over how you dress and what you look like and how you talk and what music you listen to. Maybe you can get over, I don't know, yourself and reach out. And maybe God would bless that. And maybe you would feel liberated from that. You would be liberated. You'd be free from all men, but then you could make yourself a servant unto all. Why? Because you're a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Because you don't have any rights anyways. Right? You don't have any freedom outside of all of the liberty and freedom in Christ. 
Here's another example of someone, uh, you know, changing who they are in the flesh, <clears throat> kind of. How about Jesus? He was God, and they put on some flesh, and, and He did it to reach us. He did it so that He could empathize with us, to connect with us, to relate to us. He put on flesh so that He could win us. Will you do the same thing? Let's be missional, y'all. Here's your key point. Key point number one of two. There's only two key points. We're already on the home stretch. Key point is surrender to your biblical identity and purpose, which is a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Surrender to that. It's kind of a strange contradiction, but you have more freedom being a prisoner of Jesus Christ than you do doing your own thing. Not surrendering to who God has made you to be. You could describe it like when you, when you when you're not following and surrendering to who God wants you to be and what he wants you to do, it's kind of like kicking against the pricks. Right? You know the phrase where Saul's on his way and Jesus is like, "Bro, why are you why are you kicking against the prick? Why are you going against what I what I'm doing here?" He's like, "Whoa, Lord, I'm so sorry." Maybe we need to have that kind of moment, right? Where we surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. Okay, verse 3 through 5. So we're going to kind of fly through these last verses. we got one more key point to get to. But verse 3 through 5, he says, How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, <clears throat> whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. So uh, again, he had just mentioned, you know, the dispensation of grace. And he's in charge of this dispensation or giving of God's grace, making known God's grace to this third people group that is the church, right? Uh, But here's what you need to know or note. The church is a hidden gem in the Bible revealed to us by the apostles. Before these guys started preaching and writing these letters, these epistles, dude, if you said, hey, you going to church? They'd be like, what? They said, hey, what's it like to be in Christ? They'd be like, bro, you're tripping. What do you mean? If someone came up and asked, hey, what's it like to be in Christ? You'd probably say the same thing. What? (laughs) You're tripping. (laughs) right. But these guys, Jesus literally gave personal revelation to Paul. Revelation that you and I won't have that type of experience. He met him and spoke with him. You can see it through the book of Acts. And he did so so that Paul could reveal to us, to show, to show us, um, you know, this mystery. This brings us back to the idea of the three people groups, right? Two of them have been crystal clear through the Old Testament up to this point, but the body of Christ is a totally unique mystery that Jesus revealed to Paul for us. Now, it is important to note because this is just where we're at in the passage and I'm not going to run away from technical, heady ideas. But it is important to know that you've got these three people groups and it is a mystery of Christ to be in Christ, to be the church. That is weird. Which in other ages uh, was not made known unto the sons of men. Okay, so they didn't know about the church, but 
Let's clarify something. Did God want to reach the Gentiles in the Old Testament? Or was he just all about the Jews? What do you think? The adults are shaking their head. Seth, what do you think? Okay. Who thinks that God wanted to reach the Gentiles? Anybody? Who thinks God did not want to reach the Gentiles? He was all about the Jews. Tricky, huh? <laughs> yes, right? Okay, so God, what did He promise Abraham? The first time that these Jewish, this Jewish people was, you know, being these Hebrews, what did He promise Abraham? Yeah, he would bless the world through Abraham's seed, right? He's going to bless them to bless him, curse him to curse him. Like he wanted, God absolutely wanted to reach the Gentiles through the Jews. Okay, but did they fail or pass when they crucified Jesus? They failed, right? Okay, so does, does God say, all right, I'm done with the Jews? No, he doesn't. He doesn't say, I'm done with the Jews. He says, I'm going to put the Jews on the back burner and we're going to cook up some good stuff with this church, right? So now he's using the church who is made up of who? What two people groups? Jews and Gentiles, right? Okay, but this church, this thing that God is using was totally, it, it was a mystery. You can see pictures of it in Scripture through the Old Testament. Now that we know what it is, you can go and you can look at like Enoch? Why is Enoch in the Bible? What's significant about Enoch? Pop quiz. Huh? He walked with God and then what? He didn't die. What do you mean? Well, how does that picture the church? Okay, so... <laughs> yeah, Jesus, right? So that pictures the church because, okay, Scripture tells us that you and I, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're actually, there's potential that, that you don't die. What? That you don't die and that actually you get raptured up before uh, you die. Now, that doesn't just happen for specific people like when he wants. That happens, there's an event where Jesus will come in the clouds. He's going to rapture up all of the church. And then there's some business that takes place afterwards. But here's the point. Enoch pictures that. So this church, you can see it throughout the Old Testament, but it wasn't revealed. They didn't know about it until Jesus revealed it to the apostles. Okay, verse 6 through 7. Home, the real home stretch. We're like, we rounded third just then, and now we're like, on our way to home base. That makes sense to anybody? Yes. yes. Okay. So verse 6 and 7. Here's why. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of this promise in Christ by the gospel. Be partakers of this promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of His power. So lots of words in typical Paul fashion, but here's, here's how we can sum it up. We're grafted in, we're made partakers of the benefits of being in Christ, which are salvation, eternal security, fruit of the Spirit, supernatural positioning in heaven, did you know that you're in heaven right now? 
Did you know, how many of you knew you're in heaven right now? The Bible says you're in heaven right now. You're like, it does not feel like heaven right now. What are you talking about? Now, I'm not talking about right here, not your physical body. Spiritually, you are in Christ, the Bible says. And in Christ means you are literally spiritually in Him. And where is Christ? Well, He's at the right hand of God Father, right? Okay, so you're in Christ. That's pretty crazy. But here's another one. You, being in Christ, you're actually equipped and made able to be used by God like Paul was. So he says, Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of His power. I said before, we take too much credit for our, 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 our growth and our success in ministry. God has made you and equipped you and, and gifted you in such a way by His power that He wants to use you for some really significant stuff. For some really cool stuff. I mean, like, working a job, that's cool. Yeah, making money. Man, if you made a whole lot of money, that'd be cool. Sure. But to, to be used to impact someone's eternity? I don't know. I'm not real smart, but I'm not dumb enough to say that doesn't count for nothing. That's significant. And God made us in Christ to be used by Him, uh, by His power for His glory. So Paul was made a minister according to the grace and power of God, working in and through Him. And we are told that we have the same function, which is to facilitate and funnel God's grace to the world. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4-6 through kind of sums it all up and then we're done. And such trust have we through Christ to Godward. Through Christ to Godward. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves. But our sufficiency is of God. You are sufficient for the task at hand. The task which is to preach the gospel, to love people, to make disciples via mentorship. You can do it. You're not sufficient of yourself. But our sufficiency is of God. Who also, get this, hath made us able ministers of the New Testament. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. You were made an able minister so that you can literally go to someone. And I don't care what you've done this week or what you've done for the last year. I don't care how messed up you think you are or how much you've messed up. God made you an able minister and it didn't change when you messed up. You are made an able minister. Therefore... God can absolutely use you to impact someone's eternity. He can, because He says He did that. And if you, if you, if you think God can't use you, you're calling God a liar. And you need to stop feeling bad for yourself. We have been supernaturally made able to minister in the Spirit. And now... Here's some response time for you. Reason says, when you consider all of that, reason says, God has made me everything I need to be in Christ in order to serve Him and obey Him. He's made me everything I need to be. He's done all the work. He made me able. I don't know what it looks like. I've never done that before. I'm really scared. But reasonably, I know that I have everything that I need. And then fear says... God has made uh, me everything I need to be in Christ in order to serve Him and obey Him, but I might get in the way still. 
In other words, I'm saying, hey, let's get to work. Fear says, hey, we could, but I might mess it up. And faith says, because God has made me everything I need to be to serve Him and obey Him, I must do it. I must do it. I'm going to do it. This week. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know how I'm going to connect with people. But I'm just going to trust the Lord to put the right people in the right place so that I can have the right conversation. Trust God. Be determined that you have to do it. Because God's going to. Here's your last key point. Trust and obey. Just trust and obey and walk with God this week through open doors. And so that might mean, you know, there's all kinds of things that distract us, you know, like there's all kinds of things that eat up our attention while we're at school or whatever and we forget and, and you know, we've got school, we've got work to do there, but you've also got your friends and there's all kinds of stuff happening. Maybe you need to be determined to turn that off and say, I'm going to look for opportunities. I'm going to look for them. I'm going to go fishing this week. Fishing for, for souls. That takes a different mentality. It takes a prisoner mindset. So that's what I'm here for. And I don't, have, I don't actually have any other options. Let's do that. Who's in? I wish we could have like a, you know, like a, um, you know how the teams, like in the NFL, they have like the guy screaming and shouting. It's kind of, it's kind of cringy, like when the guy's like, I love you, man. I love you. Let's lay it all down. Let's give everything we've got. It's like, bro, I mean, yeah, I'm with you. I feel that. I wish we could kind of do that. Just like, oh, get really pumped and excited to like, go be used by God. Instead of instead of forcing that, because I know you guys would be like, bro, I hate this group. Okay, <laughs> Let's respond this way. We're going to go into the worship service. And why don't you give your emotions to the Lord? Why don't, you, why don't you connect with the Lord? Why don't you, man, get on fire for being used this week? And let worship help facilitate that. Give your heart. Give your mind, give your will, give your week to the Lord in praise and worship. How about it? Make sense? Okay, I'm going to pray. And then um, the Boston team, if, if you would, let's stay behind. We're going to stay in whole heart and they want to pray for us. So if you're going to Boston, stick around for just a little bit in here. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for, um, thank you for what you've done in putting us in Christ and in uh, making us able ministers that we can be part of something that's much, much bigger than ourselves. You know, I, I love my job as a, as a teacher, um, but, but it, it's really, really lame compared to getting to be an evangelist. And it's really, really boring compared to getting to be a mentor. Um, God, give us eyes to see how we can be who you've made us to be this week. All of us are called to do the work of an evangelist. Show us where to work. Show us how to do it. We need you to be our boss. We need you to lead us and to guide us. And Because um, God, 
we aren't sufficient for the job, but we know you are through us. So here we are, your, your people that make us fruitful. We love you and we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.